I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Squiggly Careers podcast. I'm Sarah, and I'm joined by my co host, Helen. Hello, everyone. And this podcast is all about helping you to develop the skills that we all need to succeed in our increasingly squiggly careers. And I think not a week goes by now where someone doesn't come and tell me about their squiggly career or how their career is just about to get squigglier. So we love hearing your stories. So please do keep sharing them. And everything we do is all about making work better for everyone. And so we hope your 2019 has started really well. I think January can be a tricky month interesting to kind of start a new year it can be exciting but also it can feel quite tough yeah it's not a great month is it it's really dark the whole time it's my birthday it takes a while oh yeah it's your birthday that's a good thing it it feels like it takes a while to get into your rhythm i feel like at christmas it's the only time now in the year when most people really shut off like the rest of the time in the year you have a holiday but probably everyone else doesn't so the work is still going on whereas at christmas everyone does sort of down tools a little bit and therefore when you come back in january for some people it takes a while to get going for some people they're like they've been raring to go since like the 28th of december or something and it's just yeah i guess you've had a lot of time to think that would be my reflection over christmas is i've had an unusual amount of time where i could just reflect and think and gosh we had a very different christmas (laughs) i was basically just stopped my children that's true actually we do have very different christmases But I spent more time probably reading and walking oh, and watching so things. Nice. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not doing. I'm not doing this to be cruel. <laughs> I stopped my children like gorging on celebrations and throwing Lego at each other and um, <laughs> probably secretly drinking gin in my cupboard. That's me, not my children. <laughs> like like the, <laughs> to cope with the Christmas. I don't know. My uh, 18 month old quite likes a little sip of gin and tonic. I've, <laughs> I've, I've, I've seen him come back for more, to be honest, and been like, "Is this okay? <laughs> this, is, this is not okay." <laughs> <laughs> have you got any um, work resolutions for this year? Um, I don't think I have got work resolutions. I've got four resolutions that are actually stuck up on my wall in front of me, which will hopefully help me to be better at work, but they're not really work specific. I've got drink more herbal tea than coffee. <laughs> I wonder where that was going then with the yeah. whole gin and tonic thing. <laughs> yeah, no. Tea. Read 12 new poetry books. I've actually already done... I think I've already done two new ones. I'm well ahead of that one. Um, <laughs> journal more often than not. And I've bought a book, The Six Minute Diary, to help me with that. And then consume consciously, in brackets, very specifically less plastic, because I am that person who goes to the supermarket and then has to really embarrassingly go, can I buy some 
bags, please. And they're like, Ooh. and they're like, I know, I know it's really bad, but it's just because I keep forgetting to take bags with me. And they're like, yes, you can have one. And I'm like, I might need five. And then I just feel like the worst person in the world. So, um, yeah, oh, they're not did work you specific. see um, National Geographic did a really lovely campaign at the start of January about plastic related resolutions, like encouraging everyone to not do the traditional ones like saving money or losing weight, but actually like save the world lose all your plastic etc I'm bad for buying water bottles because I drink a lot of water um, which is a good thing and I do have some reusable bottles but I also end up buying like way too many so I bought (laughs) one permanent one of those chili bottles yeah and I was like right I'm going to use it and I've bought it in amazing if colours because you know I'm so on brand (laughs) but my work resolution is actually a very straightforward one but not that specific, almost counter to what we're often talking about in terms of being specific, is we talk about making work better for everyone. And I think it's really important that we do that for ourselves because we've always been adamant that we should practice what we preach, that everything that we suggest to people we've done for ourselves, we've tried and failed or succeeded. And I think this year, I really want to make sure that I'm continually kind of striving to wait, make my own work even better I think that will help me help everyone else even more because then you've had all the trials and tribulations and sometimes I think I forget to do some of the things that I'm suggesting to other people oh well and just to be your conscience because uh, you know you know you love no, me you're doing that. Writing that down or so you're probably putting that on your pin <laughs> no, board aren't you as we speak <laughs> no no it's worse I was listening back to uh the episodes that we released over Christmas we did career habits to transform right. your career we did part one and a part two everybody so have a listen to those if it might be helpful but we did 10 career habits and we both talked about actions that we were going to do in relation to them so there were a couple that you mentioned visiting one new place in London a month yeah I and do keeping a monthly learning log and there are some other ones um so <laughs> which just... I know you remembered because for my birthday you then bought me a book and said here you go write down your learning actions each week in this lovely book which I do appreciate yeah, I was just trying to help just trying to help so yeah if you want some uh, mini resolutions that you've already committed to on a podcast go back and listen to I think it's episode 62 Two and 63 yeah, or it might be 61 right. and 62 yeah. um, but there, there you go so today then what is our topic of today so today we're going to talk about CVs, perhaps not the most glamorous of topics, yeah. but Everyone's we like, do CVs know. CVs are so boring, yeah. but important. <laughs> yeah. I just think January is the month where lots of people will be making a resolution around thinking about getting a new job. Some of the research on things like monster.com found that applications peak specifically on January the 27th. <laughs> that's hilarious. Um <laughs> And apparently on that particular day, I don't know what day of the week that is, they go to 75% above the daily average, which just shows that everyone kind of comes back to work, gears himself up, I reckon, during the first week. I think they're like, and oh my God, like, it's still right, the same. Come on. <laughs> yeah. The way I've most people talk about CVs, and I've definitely had this experience, is they're always on everyone's to-do list. We know we should do them before we need them, but very rarely do you ever get around to it. It's like mm. that never ticked off item on your to-do list. Because it's just not that fun, is it? Yeah. Um, and as I was thinking about this, I think let's just accept it's not that fun. And usually you can think of probably a way that you would prefer to be spending the time when you're usually updating your CV. Because often you're doing it in your own time, at a weekend or in an evening. I thought what would motivate me more to do my CV would be to think of it as more than just a CV for kind of applying for a job. Actually think of it as a way to reflect on what you've achieved over the previous 12 months Think a bit about your personal brand, which is something that we've covered in a previous podcast episode. But also, and this is a bit I found most motivating, think about what would you want your career to say at the end of this year? 
one of my uh, favourite pieces of career advice is to never live the same year twice. And actually, I really like the idea of almost writing your CV. Like a pre-mortem CV. Yeah. So you like include a paragraph of bullet points, which then you take away. But they are kind of outlining what you hope you would be able to say by the end of the year. Just make sure, everyone, if you do do like a pre-mortem CV, to maybe colour code the stuff you haven't done yet. Just in case you accidentally send that to somebody and they're like, oh, wow, you (laughs) sold a million copies of How to Have a Squiggly Career. That's amazing. (laughs) You're like, well, we're like pre-empting the future. (laughs) And before we go on to talk specifically about CVs today, we're going to share some of our stories about what we've done with our CVs and some top tips. If you are in full-on job mode for January, a couple of other episodes that might be useful. So... When we first started our weekly podcast, uh, we did an episode on how to find a job, which was, you know, not surprisingly this time last year. <laughs> so that's episode 16, if you're looking for it. And if you've got past the CV stage quickly, episode 41 is all about how to be great in interviews. So hopefully both of those are going to be useful. So Helen, are you the one person that we know who actually does update your CV regularly? Oh God, I, I feel to... like you might be. No, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> I think Not I... even you. No, do you know what? I I think because I do quite a few different things that at times require me to have a CV, which I'm happy to talk about in a second, I probably update it more regularly than most, but it's probably reactive rather than proactive. And I think what you're talking about, and I think is a really good habit, is proactively every six months or so going and updating your CV. Mine is more triggered by, um, so for example, I've updated it in the last couple of months because I've applied for to be on a programme called the Board Apprentice Programme, which is for people looking to be non-executive directors on a board and it helps them to develop the skills to do that so to apply for that program I had to update my CV and I realized actually that I hadn't done it maybe about a year before that point and a lot has changed you know I've I've, uh, there's additional qualifications that I've gained like I finished my MBA I'd completed my role at Microsoft I'd started full-time at Amazing If what I do now is very weird writing about that it was really weird and actually like my Mm -hmm. personal statement and we could talk about whether we think they're good things or not but I have one my personal statement now looks very different because before it talked about me being a marketing leader and it emphasised all that corporate stuff because that was the kind of world I was operating in. Whereas now it's much more about helping make work better for everyone, how I do that, my approach. And so actually I had to do quite a lot of updating of it. And it was like I said, it was triggered by the fact that I was applying for something. But if you're not applying for jobs that frequently or things that require you to update your CV, I think it can go stagnant. And personally, the process of thinking about, well, how would I position myself in a couple of sentences? What are my biggest achievements that I'd want people to know about me? Actually, just taking the time to write that, if you, even if your CV forces you to do that, just taking the time to write it puts that stuff more into your head so that you're more able to articulate it in conversation as well. Yeah, and I updated my CV while I was on maternity leave, so probably about a year and a half ago now. And I've updated it a couple of other times since um, in kind of similar scenarios in terms of some board roles that I've been applying for. I had one really interesting piece of feedback on my CV, which um, somebody external looked at it for me. And this person is almost like a professional reviewer of board CVs. So she specialises in like non-exec CVs and, and also just looking at candidates and giving them feedback. And it really stuck with me because it's the first time that anyone had ever said it to me is that, you know, you always talk about a job being a two-way process. So you're interviewing the company as much as they're interviewing you, albeit it always feels much more like the other way around, mm. that your CV should have that similar balance. Yes, it's about, you know, you and making sure that you're kind of demonstrating your best qualities and kind of your strengths and what you've got to offer. But it's also about thinking about 
the role that you're going for and making sure it's specific and objective and kind of takes into account and bears in mind what it is you're actually applying for. And I really liked applying that kind of same thought process that you would for an interview to your CV. And the reason that she said that to me is that I worked out that I was just using the examples in my CV of the things that I was most proud of Mm. because I was, you know, I am really proud of them rather than thinking about what would be most useful for those jobs. And sometimes that meant that I was making the same point a number of times just with different examples. Interesting. And yeah, if you think about it, CVs are read. And if you think about the CVs, you know, when I've read CVs and stuff in the past, you're often reading lots of CVs. You're often doing it quite quickly you know, you're not reading every kind of word. So having the luxury of thinking, I'm going to make the same point again, but in a slightly different way, actually feels like a bit of a waste, was her point to me. And it felt quite harsh because I was like, but I don't want to take some of these things away. I'm so proud of them. And then I thought, actually, if I put myself in the person reading my CV's shoes, I've already made that point about colleague engagement or people engagement or whatever it was. Actually, I've probably got some other things that would help to show some other skills or behaviours that I've got that would be useful for this thing that I'm applying for and I'm missing out on the opportunity to show that. I'm just saying the same thing again. I feel so like we haven't... Even... I think that's quite an interesting thing to think about. Yeah, it's really, I was like to say, we haven't even got into our, like our five top tips for CVs, but actually in that advice mm. is some really good tips like the A, make it specific to what would be useful to the people. I love that idea about neutrality that you try to have in an interview process where this interview is a two-way mm. thing and, and kind and not being coming across as too desperate and too keen in your CV as well. And maybe even the covering letter, if you're going to do those sorts of things. Gosh, good advice from that person. Yeah, they were really good. The other person, in terms of our own personal examples, who I don't love reading my CV, but has been incredibly helpful, is my boyfriend is actually an accountant. So very different skill set to me. But one of the things that he has to do for a living is write very objectively. So he has to, I guess, describe the numbers that he's calculating, I think is the right word. (laughs) Um, And he has to kind of do analysis, I guess, written analysis. So he writes in a very straightforward, objective, simple way that always makes sense. It's never waffly. He has incredible kind of grammar and punctuation. And I think find those people in this process, those people are your friends because they are the ones that will say that sentence doesn't make any sense or that sentence is three lines long. You're not making that easy for another person to read. And that person, I'm sure there are other people other than accountants who are good at that, but (laughs) he is particularly good at it. And actually, when I've read his CV, you know, it's almost like it is a pleasure to read. You know, this idea of going... You've oh, not that's actually a compliment. Made it. Oh, yeah, it's all right. He doesn't listen. So anyway, he, <laughs> he won't get him. He won't. So let's make that tip number one then. So tip number one, get someone else to check over your CV. I think Sarah was saying there, you know, the objective people, the challenging people, look for those people. And I think as well, don't be too defensive. There was a point that Sarah raised mm. about she had to get rid of some things in her CV. Don't be too attached to what's in there. If actually taking it out might make it more impactful. Listen to the feedback that you're getting from the people. I think that's tip number one done, Sarah. Yeah, I've not even moved on to tips, but I was just thinking about my own experiences, what's helped me most with my CV. And it's probably those two things is like thinking about this two way process, but also just finding people who will write and read in a different way to you and probably who don't know your world. That's probably the other advantage of him, Mm. you know, not being in the world that I'm in is he doesn't even try to understand. He's just reading it very factually. So that might be also, you know, when you're getting someone else to read it, maybe get someone else to read it who's not in your industry 
a friend you know who's just will give you really good feedback but they've got to be someone who's going to give you feedback because if they just go yeah it's great it probably won't help you that much yeah Okay, then. So we're kind of moving on to tips. Um, I think that's tip one done and covered. So tip two, then let's have a bit of a chat around format and length of CVs. Yes, yeah. interesting one. So I'm still in the camp. Sarah and I have not talked about this, by the way, everybody. <laughs> but I'm still in the camp of a CV should be two pages. Me too. Uh, okay. So my reasoning for it is that I think people just get haven't got the time to read more than that. And I also think now, if you go on to three or four pages, it starts to make people think that you can't be concise. Um, mm. And it's not just about their attention. It also doesn't reflect very well on your ability to communicate. I also think, I mentioned this, but I still think you should have some kind of personal statement at the top. I think it's useful to get who you are across you can communicate things about your strengths things about your values maybe if there's particular awards or things like that I think you can communicate that really impactfully I think you have to be careful about your language like not making it too generic so if you're like Mm. I am an outstanding leader with brilliant strategic communication skills and blah 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 like it just reads like (laughs) waffle (laughs) I like the way you're like blah 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 blah, blah, all this good stuff blah blah blah. all this good stuff but I think that if you're too generic in that like businessy type of language you know you need to take a little bit more effort but I personally am in favor of the short paragraph personal statement at the start Sarah what did you think about it yeah I agree when I read CVs that's the bit often I'm most interested in Mm -hmm. because I think it's where you get the most flavor for who somebody is as a person what they stand for what they believe in and I think if somebody does it well it is actually a really accurate reflection of then if you go on to meet that person you kind of go yeah they really do have a real motivation for taking initiative to learn and actually they've given me lots of examples of that and so it just feels like that's somebody taking the time to try and explain to you as the reader kind of who they are and actually I think about with my personal statement if somebody read that and thought that's not the person for us that would be a good thing because that would save everybody time that's a nice way of putting it you know so I don't I don't want someone to read that and think, oh, like you said, it's just a, oh, you know, she's generically good at what she does. I want them to read it and think, that's Sarah and that's who Sarah is and what she stands for. And then actually, if you went on to look at my things like my LinkedIn recommendations, I think a lot of my LinkedIn recommendations would align really well with my personal statement. So I think you can get a really good flavour for me before you even meet me. And to me, I find that reassuring because <laughs> though that might mean some people opt out, which, you know. I'll try not to take personally. I do ultimately think that's better in the long term. I think that's a really good thing. Like your personal statement should be distinctive enough so that some people might think you're a good fit and some people might think yeah, you're not. I think that's true. If, you know, if it's generic and everyone thinks you might be okay, you've not really maybe got it sharp enough. Um, I mentioned format. When I was at Microsoft, I felt like I was constantly interviewing all the time because I had a relatively large team and then I was ended up being on the leadership team so I had to second interview other people so I was just seeing CVs all the time and um, I'd say in the last six to 12 months in terms of the design of CVs I, I saw know. I saw way more variety than at any other point in my career people and are I, getting really creative with them aren't they really, and I, I remember Sarah and I makes me sound really old it does I don't <laughs> we were oh God, I don't know if I should say this but when, when we were at uni it was the first time a lot of people on our Sarah and I did a business management course it was a lot of it was the first time a lot of people had done their CVs 
some people went a bit crazy with like PowerPoint designer. So I'm not talking about also, that. I will never ever forget the person who was Shelby <laughs> name. I wasn't going to say it. <laughs> Nameless. I, was, I wasn't going to mention laminated, it. Who laminated, laminated their CV, guys. Oh, I wasn't going to say it. It's so funny. You definitely have to say it because it's so funny. <laughs> that was what was going through my mind when I was trying to subtly say it. So yes, there was a laminated CV. So that is not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is people who are almost taking like the layout of LinkedIn in some ways. So, and you know, they're using like maybe some icons to illustrate their skills or the way mine looks at the moment is I have like quite traditional personal statement and then I have like the last job I did and it goes through my jobs and and then at the end of it it has like my qualifications but the ones that I'm seeing and I saw more of have like almost columns in it and then on one side they'll Mm. have skills and qualifications yeah they're nice they they look really good and actually if you want an example of any of these or actually you think I would quite like to do that there's a website called kickresume.com or you can go to canva.com I'll put all of the links in the blog post that accompanies this podcast if you just over on our website at amazingif.com but both of those two websites have some formats in the style that we're talking about and then you sent me a really good example this um, last week Sarah of someone very famous who had done a one in this kind of design format yeah I think Marissa Mayer her CV from when she was CEO of Yahoo and she's previously been at places like Google was posted on LinkedIn and like everyone was sharing it and commenting on it. It was in the sort of format that you're describing. I don't think it was for everyone, as I think was very clear on some of the comments that people make on LinkedIn, which I think is always really harsh. (laughs) But I think that one actually is only one page. And it was amazing what in one page she could communicate in terms of how she spent her time, who she was. And even the fact that she did her CV in that way probably tells you something about her. Yeah. And given I did a quick bit of Googling to check that I was pronouncing her name right, whether you like it or not, her apparently her net worth in 2018 was $600 million. So she's probably doing like something <laughs> right, I guess. Like some, so those, something those people like... who are being mean on LinkedIn, she probably doesn't care. Yeah, um, yeah, that's true, actually. And I think I'd be interested to see what you think on this increasingly CVs are being put through a kind of unconscious bias lens by organisations. So this is where companies are trying to make sure that they're not unconsciously discriminating against whether it's certain names or ages. And so actually some processes now, and certainly I did this when I was at Sainsbury's, we actually had a process where you would never see somebody's name at the top of the CV. You would just see the experience they'd had. Certainly you wouldn't see someone's date of birth or address And there's even, I've noticed, some companies now that are starting to kind of take away or ask people to exclude education, which I find really interesting. I don't know about you, but some people ask me about things like photos and that kind of stuff. I would never include any of those kind of things. I would include my name because I think if somebody else wants to take that away, obviously that's fine. But I would never include my date of birth. I'm not even sure I put my address on anymore. My address isn't on. I'd never have a photo. I think it's a good thing to take away uh, date of birth, names, addresses. I think I really do support that. The interesting thing is that if I got your CV, Sarah, and it didn't, I just had your name on there and where you'd worked, I could Google you pretty quickly. If I wanted to be biased, I could find out information about you. So even if you took it off your CV, it's kind of there, isn't it, on places like LinkedIn? But personally, I think it is a good thing. I'm actually more worried. Worried? Bothered? I don't know if it really worries me. But um, there's a lot of stuff around artificial intelligence now being the first pass of CVs, whereby 
And so there'll be a prescriptive set of requirements that an individual will have to have that will be screened by some kind of artificial intelligence before it gets to someone in HR, for example, who might put you through for a conversation with them or the hiring manager. And I just sort of worry about it being so black and white because sometimes I've had CVs through and they haven't, the people haven't had all of the right experience but there's been something in there that I've read into the CV that I've thought it would be an interesting conversation to have with you and mm. good stuff has come from that and so I actually worry more about things like AI taking that human filter process out and you know the point you said about taking education out so I do like the idea of you taking the institution out so people don't go oh they went to yeah an Ivy League an Ivy League or a red brick yeah, yeah that's a better education yeah. I quite like that But what I would miss is if somebody is a lifelong learner and they have chosen throughout their career to go back to educational institutions because they love to learn and that got taken out of their CV, then I feel like it would not I'd be missing some kind of insight that I would yeah. gain from that so it's a tricky one actually with education I think it is particularly relevant is in early careers uh-huh. so actually if you're going for your first job yeah. or if you're so you're maybe whether you've been to university or not should that matter that's where I think companies are starting to take it away and kind of going well no it's just about your early careers it's probably your first job whether you've come from school or college or education or university whatever that might be that's okay we just want to know what you're interested in, what your strengths are and things. So I think I've seen it in that context. I think that's quite interesting. But yeah, I agree with you. Later on in people's career, I definitely want to know what people have learned. Mm. I don't care quite as much about where where they've gone to learn it. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Okay, so hopefully we covered a bit there on format and length to help you with that. 
The next tip that we're going to talk about was around content. And so once you've got it designed and you've got a a two-page structure there, what are you actually going to put in it? So maybe if I talk about some things that I think are useful and then hand over to you, Sarah, for yours. So I think it's there's some obvious stuff that you put in there. So you put your jobs, you put your achievements, you put your personal statement, you put your qualifications, all that kind of stuff. But again, some of the CVs that have stuck with me that I've read probably back in again in my job in Microsoft were ones where there was more of a story to them. So I remember this one particular CV. And again, it was an example of someone who didn't have the experience for the job that I was advertising. They were probably about five, six, seven years. It was a chunky gap, basically, in the experience they needed to have for the role. But um, it was a really interesting CV because it took me on a bit of a journey. It had quite a lot of hyperlinks in their CV. So it took me off to an article that they'd written on LinkedIn. And then it took me to a video that they produced on YouTube. Nice. It was so good. And I thought, wow, you have nailed what I think is the future of like CVs. God, I'm, I'm just listening to that, I'm like, I need to improve my it CV. It was so good. It was like, it really mixed the traditional with the digital. And I, it was a lot of credibility. Like I knew this wasn't a CV just a fluff because there were articles that people had commented on and she'd been to these places because here was her video of the event she'd been to in Las Vegas. It was an IT event. And I met her and introduced some people at Microsoft because I thought she was brilliant off the back of that CV. And I think if you can now think about, can your CV tell a story that goes beyond two pages of paper? Can it link to other things that you've done? I think that could be a really positive way of making your CV stand out. Yeah, do you know what? I didn't... That- it never even crossed my mind because this just shows how old school I was thinking but that's not going to work because I always print out <laughs> CVs <laughs> and I do actually and because I suppose when I'm reading a CV I'm I actually still do sometimes like to read on paper um CVs <laughs> are actually one of the things that I do print out one of probably the few things I actually now print out at work but if I saw one with lots of hyperlinks in I would definitely just get your laptop back out but and start looking at different at Microsoft, things. I've had like 30 CVs to screen for a job. I would definitely wouldn't print them out. I'd like, I'd be going through oh, them quite right, quickly. Crikey. Yeah, it was, um, yeah, crazy. Um, a more boring bit of advice <laughs> if you're thinking about how to tell your story. Um, the way that I break up every job is I do responsibilities and achievements. I keep the responsibilities section very short and I might not even write responsibilities. I think I just have the job title. And then underneath the job title, two sentences, just almost like describing like what the job is. What does the job involve? You know, are you managing a budget? Are you leading a team? Where does your area of influence extend to? It's probably what you would have read, some of what you would have read in the job description for the job when you originally applied for it. So it just gives someone a very quick, in a nutshell, at a glance view of, okay, so this is what that job is and I think now if you think about in a squiggly career there are so many jobs and job titles can mean very different things the same job title can mean very different things I personally think it's important to just describe in no more than a couple of sentences exactly what your job is and then I focus probably 80% on achievements so then specifically what have I achieved what outcomes have I delivered in each job and try to make them as objective and kind of as punchy as possible and almost switch from being very kind of describing in my tone which is the responsibility section to the achievement bit being very what I did and how it made a difference what impact did it have for each thing I tried to kind of ask myself what positive impact did that have on people on the business on how much money we were making and as for some jobs that comes I think really naturally but definitely some of the jobs I've had in the past that doesn't 
because they may be quite abstract jobs or they're jobs that involve lots of thinking or innovation. So you sometimes have to work a bit harder on that. Personally, I, I would really encourage you to think about impact. And on the, um, I think when you're thinking about the words that you're using in those descriptions, it's also important to tailor it to the job that you're going for. So this might sound a bit daunting because like not only do you have to write a CV, you have to write multiple CVs for the different jobs. But let's say, for example, so in my in my career, if I was going to go back into corporate life, which I'm not because I'm loving I'm loving working full time and amazing if, but if yeah. I was. Because I hope this is not your way of telling me you're resigning. <laughs> really subtle. No, 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 it's not. But I could either go into maybe like an innovation job or I could potentially go into a sales job or a marketing job. So there's a couple of different possibilities I could explore. My CV even though the experience would be the same, the words that I might use and the and some of the descriptions that I would pull out would look quite different for me, depending on which role. So if it was sales, I'd maybe talk about new business. I'd talk about growth of markets that I'd worked in, that kind of stuff. If it was marketing, I might talk more about the campaigns. I might talk more about Brands, customer yeah. insight brand. I just, I think Sarah's point is really good. I think it, it might be more challenging, but you do need to just then do another tweak so that it's as relevant as possible for what the job is looking for. And if you really, this is going to sound a bit a bit cheaty, but look at the job description, look at some of the keywords that they've got in there. If they've got like drive for results and um, I don't know, energetic leadership, then you don't have to word for word do it, but try and you know make sure that's coming through in the words that you've written in your CV. Oh, I definitely do that. I don't think that's cheating. I think it's just smart. Good, good. good. <laughs> good. Um, but what I, and, and what I would say is if you're having to work too hard to find examples of those or to make what you've done fit with the things in the job description, just make sure you're thinking, is this actually the right job for me? Oh, so yeah. if they're using lots of phrases and terms that you're going, wow, this feels uncomfortable for me I'm having to go really stretch shall we say my experience or the way that I write about myself that might be a clue that it's perhaps not the right job for you you know sometimes it can just be how the job spec is written and and you kind of want to get through to an interview to find out but hopefully it should only be tweaking it shouldn't be starting from scratch I certainly reckon the hard work with a CV is what 80% the first time getting a good like really good kind of solid CV I reckon 80% of the hard work is done once you've got one. And then I think you're probably 20% is bits of adapting, probably things like covering letters, which I think we're going to talk about next. That's where I think it takes the time each time you apply. It's when you said that I um, had to give someone some feedback recently that they asked for. They asked me to review their CV and they also sent me the link to the job that they were applying for. And when I looked at the two, there was like a real disconnect. And so I went back to the person and I was like, you need to demonstrate this 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 and this if you're going to apply for that job and they said well I haven't got that and I was like well you know that's what they're looking for so this might be a bit of a leap I'm not saying don't apply but I'd kind of done that maybe been a slightly more brutal because I had that objectivity you know when you talked about Tom and how he could look at your CV earlier I had that objectivity when I was looking at someone's CV in relation to the job that they were applying for I could really really see the gaps so again maybe that's another way that someone could help you not just looking at your CV but looking at it in the context of the job that you're applying for so let's talk briefly about covering letters because I actually think this is probably the bit that does take the time each time you're applying for a role I think if you do get the opportunity to do a covering letter always do one it is your opportunity to personalize to tell more stories to expand on some of the things that perhaps you've only been able to kind of briefly bullet point or give an overview of in your cv And certainly if a job has asked for one, kind of definitely do it. 
but I would always break your covering letter down into kind of paragraphs and think about what is each paragraph trying to do. Don't make it too long. I always think no more than a page. Are you, are you with me on a I'm, page? I'm totally letter? with you, yeah. Yeah, no more than a page. And I always try to think about a paragraph that is really clear about why I'm interested in the job. So like, you know, it's a really kind of standard thing, but like why are you applying for it? What makes you interested in it? Why you think you're the right person for it? And you've kind of answered two kind of why questions. And then maybe you've also got another paragraph. I always have like, and this is probably a good description of me and who I am. One paragraph that is just giving them a bit more of a flavour for who I am, a more kind of rounded version than I think a CV gives you. And so there's kind of one probably paragraph in there, which is just more about a bit more about me. And it's probably not quite as specifically like why me for that job, but it's probably more just like why me generally. Because again, I, I kind of rationalise it with, well, if that's put you off, then that's probably okay. <laughs> Read no further. <laughs> so that's, how, that's how I do my covering letters. <laughs> so you do a why me? And then the second paragraph is like a why me for this job? Yeah, yeah. Mm, as well as like why the job, if that makes sense. So probably at least three. So yeah. as in why I'm interested in the actual role and then probably going on to like, why me for this role and why you should just love me generally. <laughs> <laughs> and if they're still reading the then you're probably, you're probably all right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so the last tip then after covering letters, uh, and this is going to sound a little bit brutal, but I think it's really important, is to just not lie. And um, I, don't, I don't think anyone... Do you I think people do? Yeah, I know people do, Sarah. I saw it at Microsoft <gasps> but and they actually Ooh. got quite far in the process and then... Lie like, about what? Just like qualifications, why? qualifications no. that they've had. Um, actually, that's probably the main thing, the main, the main one that I'm aware of. But I mean, like people have started jobs and then the higher, you know, the higher you basically Ooh. find a company. So I think the last three companies that I have worked for have all had an external company who fact check CVs. And so that's yeah. BP, Virgin, Microsoft. And so you get an offer, but your offer is conditional on basically your CV checking out. And these companies, there's a company like called like Higher Rights. fair enough. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely fair <laughs> enough. There might be an honest mistake in there that you might get pulled up on, which could be you've slightly changed the date. Or I think, you know, maybe some people are trying to cover up a bit of a career gap or a bit of travelling or whatever time they've had out. Right. Or maybe some people have genuinely said that they've got a qualification that they haven't got, for example. And this is, you know, for whatever reason, I'm not trying to be some kind of like, don't lie, it's really bad. But particularly for applying for big companies, they have, it's easier than ever to check that stuff out now. And I would just hate for somebody to not get the role that they want or to to be shown up in any way because of that stuff. So it's not worth it to try and manipulate any kind of numbers or qualifications or results in your CV. Like just, I wouldn't even entertain it if you are. I also think, now within a squiggly career hopefully people are getting more and more accepting of people have done different things the reason I was just thinking that is I read a really brilliant article from somebody I know which maybe we'll include in the links actually today from somebody uh, very senior who recently got made redundant and she's written an article about the process of being made redundant and how she's felt and kind of her hints and tips it's actually it's a brilliant article so we'll make sure we include it and I really liked that. I just think at some point we are probably all going to get made redundant in our careers because that's the nature of a squiggly career. There's yeah. more, you know, things are more predictable, there's more change. And so I'm noticing now on LinkedIn, people are starting to put things like, oh, well, during this period of time, I was on maternity leave or I yeah. was traveling. Or I think maybe sometimes people make adjustments rather than kind of specifically kind of lighting because they're feeling comfortable because maybe they've done something a bit different or maybe they don't have a qualification they think is important 
I would just say be confident about what you do have rather than trying to apologize for what you don't have um, and actually that was another bit of advice I got on my CV when I was looking at board roles I sort of wrote a little paragraph sort of going oh you know I haven't got a board role at the moment but I'm I'm willing to learn <laughs> like you know this like and this uh, very formidable lady who's giving me feedback she was just like it's really obvious this is going to be your first board role. So if somebody doesn't want someone who it's going to be their first role, they're never going to interview you anyway. Just be really, I know, I know it was like really straightforward. She sounds great. She was. She, and so she was like, well, just be really confident because you've got lots of other stuff to offer. So just do that. And I was like, perfect. And I think that, that's good advice for everyone. Just be confident in what you do have and don't worry about what you don't. So um, I'll do a quick recap then of the five tips that we've covered. So the first one that we talked about was about getting somebody to check your CV over. The second one was about format and length. And some of the things that we touched on there were keep it to two pages, include a personal statement, maybe look at the design, make it appropriate to the company and culture of the company that you're applying for. The third tip was about content. So tailor your content, maybe look at whether you can tell a story. The fourth one was around covering letters. If you have an option to include one, always do. And number five is don't lie. But I actually prefer the words that you used, Sarah, which was about making adjustments. So don't be aware of any adjustments that you're making and don't make any that aren't required. I'll <laughs> show you up. It's probably, <laughs> that's a longer version of me saying don't, don't lie on your CV. So thanks so much for listening this week. If you're a new listener for 2019, we hope you've enjoyed listening this week. We'd love to know what you think. We'd love to know ideas for future episodes. You can get in touch with us on Instagram at amazingif or on Twitter at amazing underscore if or email us at getintouchatamazingif.com. And we know that so many of you take the time to recommend us and review us. Please keep doing that. Firstly, because it makes us really happy. (laughs) It is literally the highlight of our day. Um, And also it helps us to make sure that we can help more and more people because it means that the podcast gets recommended to more people. So it's really useful in every which way. And so next week, we actually talked at the very start of the podcast about how January is a funny month. You might be absolutely listening to the podcast thinking, yep, I'm going to sort my CV and get a new job. Or you might be thinking, oh, I don't know. I don't even know what I'm meant to be doing. Um, and I think it's Blue Monday soon. Is it next Monday, perhaps? Yeah, it's I think soon. you're right. It's yeah. one of the, one of the, I think it's maybe the second Monday in January. So we thought we would take that head on and do how to stay motivated at work. Not everybody is going to go out there and get a new job straight away. But perhaps for some of you, it's just about kind of re-energising, reframing, refocusing um, and how you might want to do that. And there's some great theory and tools. So there's um, like Daniel Pink and, and his book on Drive. There's some good reference points that we'll bring into the conversation next week. So thanks very much for listening and we'll talk to you then. Bye for now. Bye. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code buttery exclusions apply see site for details ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi 
Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 